Hello everyone, welcome back to the History Connection Podcast. My name is Michael Musangu, I'm a student at the University of Portland studying biology and minoring in history. Today we're going to go into another delve, or go into another episode, regarding one of the founding fathers of the United States. One may call him a founding grandfather. Whatever you want to call him, he is definitely one of the most influential people who were involved in the founding of the United States, what made the founding what it is, the ideas that were behind it, and what he really sought forth to set forth in the creation of the Republic of the United States. His name was Samuel Adams. And being the cousin of John Adams, of course, he, he was very popular and, and had a very good way with words. So let me start with some food for thought. This quote is one of the most powerful quotes I've read, and I'll explain why as we delve deeper into it. He states that among the natural rights of the colonists are these. First, a right to life. Secondly, to liberty. Thirdly, to property. These are some of the main, these are the three main rights that you see everywhere. From the Federalist Papers, to the, to the Articles of Confederation, to the Constitution of the United States itself. These are the basic ideas that come from the Enlightenment period. He was a man who, who was influenced by this time period. And, and the concept was the same. The concept is this. That with the right to life, liberty, and property, everyone has that inherent right. This was an idea that was actually starting to bloom during the Enlightenment period. Before then, these ideas were not present. These ideas came about through uh, philosophers such as John Locke, Thomas Paine, French philosophers such as Montesquieu, or even Rousseau. Th these are ideas that people have, have known or have started to cultivate during this time period, and Samuel Adams was one of the people who really put forth these ideas to the front. But the ideas are simple. Everyone has a right to life, to liberty, to property. And here's the thing. Your right to life, liberty, and property cannot be encroached on by someone else. The line is drawn where someone else's rights to, to, to life, liberty, and property are encroached. That is what government was made for. This is what the, the founding of America was based upon. Everyone has the freedom to be whatever they want to be as long as it doesn't encroach on someone else's ability to be free in the same exact way you have the basic freedom spelled out in these documents. In fact, you have even moments where you see in the Articles of Confederation and, and, the, and, and the Federalist Papers how these ideas are cultivated and became our founding because they believed that King George did not allow them these rights. In fact, if you read the Declaration of Independence, they set forth a bunch of accusations against them. That's all the Declaration of Independence is. It's actually a list of accusations that they had against King George. In fact, I want to spend a couple episodes going into this with a bunch of, um, with a bunch of founders and a bunch of the documents that were written because there are a lot of points that I feel like people do not do not take to heart. These are the points that people are missing today in this world where we think that equality means that everyone gets to be equal in the group or, or faction that they are part of. 
That has nothing to do with it. We all have these ideas he considered were inherent with the right to life. Let me continue this quote. He says, um, first, right, a right to life. Secondly, to liberty. Thirdly, to property. Together with the right to support and defend them in the best manner they can. This is why government was created. Because, as James Madison said, men are not angels. Government is necessary. And government was necessary because people... Because of what was going on in England and America during the Revolutionary War, they realized that having a government that is too tyrannical will lead to what King George did. But having a government that allows too much power in the hand of the federal government does not help. That's the essence of it. The main point of government is to protect the rights of its citizens, national secure, uh, uh, secure, um, secure the common defense, that sort of thing. But everything else, the right to life, liberty, and property, this is why common law was developed the way it was. It's to protect these fundamental rights that the Enlightenment philosophers considered the rights of man. Let me continue on with this quote. He says that these are evident branches rather than deductions from the duty of self-preservation, commonly called the first law of nature. In fact, he states that, or he doesn't state this, but the ideas surrounding the Enlightenment as well, especially with the founding of the United States, these ideas were known to be self-evident. It was stated in the Declaration of Independence. We know these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and are endowed with, from their creator with unalienable rights. These are the rights that they are talking about, the right to life, liberty, and to property. We all, as human beings, they considered have these inherent rights. And when you do not, and, and when your rights encroach on someone else's ability to have rights, that's where we have government and that's where we have law. To have boundaries on where those rights begin and where those rights end. It's plain and simple. I know that was kind of a long introduction, but I feel like this introduction will be necessary. I'll be going into these types of ideas over the next few Unsung Heroes episodes. I think they're powerful ideas. But let me go ahead and start with the story of Samuel Adams. He was born in Boston on the 27th of September, 1722, in a rich Puritan family. His father, Samuel Adams Sr., was a prominent local merchant, and he was also a deacon in the Puritan church that he attended, and was very active in politics. His mother, was um, Mary Adams, was the daughter of a local businessman. And as a young kid, uh, Adams went to Boston Latin School, and then he went to Harvard to study um, Actually, he went to Harvard with the original intent of studying theology. But when he was introduced to philosophers like John Locke, they had such an impact on him that he actually wrote his 1743 master's degree thesis on the legality of resisting British authority because the ideas that John Locke and other ph philosophers in the Enlightenment had is they, they got to such a level where... It was so prevalent. People started to see the hypocrisy 
of these governments of monarchies. And thus, in 17, and, and thus um, he wrote his masters on this. By 1748, uh, Adam's father died and he actually inherited the whole family business that he uh, grew up in, making malted barley and supplying it to brewers. Unfortunately, Adams wasn't very good at running the business. So actually he went bankrupt. Um, he really was not good at it. He went bankrupt really quickly. He was also not very good at becoming a tax collector. I don't know what's up with this man and having money problems, but he had ledgers that were so bad he was a tax collector, my people. He had ledgers that were so bad that he was actually short thousands of pounds as a tax collector. But regardless of all these things, he was a good writer, okay? He, he had a way with words. He had a way with the pen. And he started to become more prominent in the mid-1760s when the British government started to impose taxes on the American people. And, and, and most of these colonists, the, the taxes that were imposed on them were to essentially pay for the debts that were, in, uh, that were accrued from the Seven Years' War, or what is also called the French and Indian War. He also argued that the British were violating the colonists' rights. And again, these are not rights to, to do this or to do that or to be able to say whatever. No, no, no. These are the inherent rights of the enlightenment period the natural rights as they would call them the right to life liberty and property to acquire property and to maintain the property that you have without it being taken away from you these are the things that he was accusing britain of not doing in fact he denounced the stamp act and and why he denounced it was because he said that the colonists were being taxed without representation in Parliament. It, 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 uh, it really stops them from their right of being able to have a say in their situation. These are the rights they are speaking of. He was elected, um, so with the uh, Stamp Act in 1765, being a, den a firm denouncer of it, he was eventually elected to the Massachusetts House of Representatives in late 1765. He held that office for nine years. He also joined a secretive group called the Loyal Nine, which eventually morphed into what became known as the Sons of Liberty. In 1768, British troops came from Boston and started, and, and Adams started to attack um, the British in the newspaper articles that he wrote. And these are the, the British troops started coming to Boston, and, and I'm assuming these would be under the quartering acts and all these sorts of things, where you had to house the British soldiers and give them food and do whatever they said because it was required. He also pressured the, Bos uh, the merchants in Boston to boycott the British goods. And after the British Parliament passed the Tea Act in 1773, which basically forced the colonists to only buy their tea from the British East India Company, Adams basically was part of this group that helped hinder the tea shipments. Naturally, there was a group that dressed up as Indian warriors. And of course, they boarded all these ships, all these British ships, and started to dump their sea or dump their tea into Boston Harbor. Now, we have no idea whether Samuel Adams was really a part of this rebellion, but we do know like, we have no idea, I should say, if he dumped the tea. 
What we do know is that he played a major role in planning the event. In fact, he actually praised what happened publicly and wrote that the protesters, quote, have acted upon pure and upright principle, unquote. The British obviously, at this point, were, were getting frustrated. I mean, you have the Tea Party, you have the Boston Massacre, you have all these other events, and, and it just got ter worse and worse, really. And then you have the beginning of the Revolutionary War in April 1775, when Thomas Gage marched on the American colonists. Now, with the Revolutionary War starting, uh, Adams also was a delegate to the Continental Congress from the state of Massachusetts, or I should say from the colony of Massachusetts, and he signed the Declaration of Independence. In 1776, he spoke a speech that was really powerful, and he said this. He said, and I quote, If ye love wealth better than liberty, the tranquility of servitude, then the animating contest of freedom, go from us in peace. I, I have nothing more to say to that. That quote is so powerful. If you love wealth better than liberty, the, tra the, the, the tranquility of being a servant, rather than fighting the contest for what is liberty, leave. <laughs> it's, it's plain and simple. It's plain and simple because uh, what people realized back then is that we have inherent rights. There are rights inherent to us. And when those rights are encroached upon, they, people need to fight for their own freedoms. And it's these three basic elements of freedom, the right to life, liberty, and pursuit of property. It's fascinating. He further said that, and I quote, we ask not your counsels or arms. Crouch down and lick the hands that feed you. I mean, I mean, these are the ideas that he held so strongly against Britain. And I highly doubt that he was... I highly doubt that he was... liked for what he said. He actually also had a secret... Or he had a newspaper at the time. He wrote under a lot of pen names. And he wrote... A bunch of slandering things against the British, obviously, against the government. He wrote his ideas about the Enlightenment. These ideas that became prevalent in the founding. Um, and unfortunately, unlike his cousin, who was a diplomatic lawyer, John Adams, who eventually became the second president of the United States, I'm sure his reputation wasn't as, you know, high. <laughs> in fact, furthermore... As a member of Congress, the Continental Congress, that is, he also helped draft the Articles of Confederation, which was essentially the predecessor to the United States Constitution. Now, what's important about th these documents is that these documents are what really laid the foundation of what made America, America. They made these documents because they did not want a king to rule over them that would encroach on their rights. So they would create the Articles of Confederation that basically made them separate states or countries, whatever you want to call it, but that would also give them all the freedom that they wanted. The federal government would not be allowed to have, or they would be allowed to have 
I, I let me say it like this: the federal government would have powers, but they wouldn't have a lot of powers. The states would have a bit more of the power, so that it would allow them to maintain the liberties that they want and that they fought for so much. Unfortunately, we have people who, under the Articles of Confederation, realized, like Thomas Jefferson, for example, they realized that the Articles of Confederation actually concentrated too much power in the hands of the federal government. Well, not, and, and not only the federal government, I mean specific branches. The legislative branch had so much power that literally they could make laws, strike them down, do whatever they want when they wanted. And this is what made a lot of problems. But enough about that. I'll go into that in another episode. He left Congress in, in 1781 to go back to Boston. And of course, most people left Congress in 1781 because that was when the war ended, essentially. And he went back to Boston and he got back into state politics. He served as a time as the president of the Massachusetts Senate and he was the lieutenant governor under John Hancock. Hancock died in office not too long after and Adams took over and was elected to three one-year terms as governor before he retired. Samuel Adams died on the 2nd of October, 1803, at the age of 81. But his life that he had was very influential in the creation of the United States and in the founding. Because it was these principles that he fought so much for. Not only him. I will go into more depth in other episodes because there were more people. You had Alexander Hamilton, John Adams, Alexander Hamilton... We have a lot of them. Um, I'm trying to think of so many names right now. Joseph Warren. Benjamin Franklin. I mean, these are names that we all know. But these people, they fought for an idea of freedom. But it isn't freedom to where you can encroach on the liberties of someone else as much as it sounds as much as it sounds like, what? who would encroach on the freedoms of someone else? It's exactly what goes on today. People don't realize it, but it's exactly what goes on today. It's the freedom to be yourself with, with the boundaries that are created by government and, and common law. To allow a person to keep and maintain the freedoms that they have. It's plain and simple. Samuel Adams lived a powerful life, and let me end this episode by quoting something else. And he says this, and I quote, There can be no property in that which another can of right take from us without our consent. Just, just think about that. I mean, it's so powerful because that is exactly what the founding was. The, the, the rights, the, the essential point of a government is that all of us people, we enter into a contract where we consent to be governed. We consent 
to live under these set of rules granted that our interests are also maintained the right to life liberty and property and and that's what it is the consent to be governed with consent but you enter into a spot where we see a lot today where we are being governed without our consent and what you have is people who are doing what they think is in your best interest, but they don't know what your best interest is because only you know what your best interest is. Anyways, I, I think I thought Samuel Adams, um, his life story was very fascinating. Um, and, and, and with what he did, he made a lot of contributions into what became the United States Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the Articles of Confederation. He was, he was a, a major influential person in what made America what it is today. I hope that episode was interesting. I, I found it interesting because I always love to delve into historical documents and talk about what, where we came from and what makes America what it is. And you know what? Over these next few episodes, I will definitely go into some depth. I want to bring some of the, um, how do I say it? I want to bring some of the founding documents. I want to start with the Articles of Confederation. Thomas Jefferson wrote a group of articles as well called um, Reflections on the State of Virginia, or on the Government of Virginia, something on that order. He also wrote a bunch, um, there was also a bunch of documents as well called the Federalist Papers that were defending the the cause or the necessity of what makes the constitution the constitution it was defending the idea of taking 13 separate states under the articles of confederation 13 separate countries even with their own currencies and a federal government that has a legislature so strong they literally are messing up the economy this is why you end up with all these problems like shay's rebellion you have all these problems, and this is where they sat and went. We need, we realize we're, no, we're not doing much better than England. Therefore, recognizing that humans are not angels, as James Madison put it, we need to have a government where all three branches of government are balanced to a level where they still maintain the interests of the people. Not the interests of themselves, but the interests of the people. And that's where the checks and balances system came from. Enough about that. I, I enjoyed this episode a bit too much. This is really up in my alley when it comes to history. I hope you enjoyed it as well. And yeah, that's basically it. Thanks for listening today. See you next time on the History Connection Podcast. I'm Michael Masanga, signing off. Thank you.